This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, here we are on a Turn the Page Wednesday on One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, and we are getting ready for the Raiders. At least that's what we plan to do here on the show today. Hey, got to move on, man. You got to put the last one behind you and take a look at the one in front of you. Got Minnesota and somebody tomorrow night. Who oh, is, for Thursday night football. Yeah, for Thursday night football too. So we got. I didn't that even to look, look to. for Thursday night I got, football. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, it's um, yeah. It's hey, the game rolls on. We all know it's it's Philly hosting Minnesota mm. on Thursday tomorrow night football. So got that going. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, head coach Sean McDermott addressing the media, and we'll have that for you uh, in just a little bit here. It's just a walkthrough. For the Bills today, playing on Monday night, short week, lightening the load early in the week, and then they will practice in earnest on Thursday and Friday in advance of Sunday's game. But you got to give it a couple of days, especially after an overtime game that went long. A lot of players cramping in that game towards the end on Monday night. So um, walk through today and then more ardent practice tomorrow and Friday before the mock game on Saturday. So that's kind of how it lays out for the Bills, although there will be an injury report today released this afternoon. It will be an estimate of players' practice availability since it is a walkthrough. That's what you're required to do. This week's game sponsor, by the way, is Toyota. Toyota is the official car and truck of the Buffalo Bills. So, you know, week two, a lot to fix. In all three phases, quite frankly, Steve. I mean, yeah, the offense, we know what has to get fixed there. We talked about it a lot yesterday. The defense, run defense, probably the issue there. Getting that's the fits the, right I think that's and the more biggest consistent. Concern. Pass rush looked pretty consistent yeah. and pretty explosive. Um, even the secondary, I mean, I thought, you know, you can you could say, you know, they're going to have some, I think if a team comes out with a lot of speed, like Miami, if Miami comes out with a lot of speed, that may give our secondary a little problems. Um but I think all in all, you got to be pretty happy with the way the defense played. They gave up 16 points and and had three turnovers against them. So they yeah. got the, the opponent got three extra uh, possessions. Although one of the possessions, the first one in particular, was like a punt. It was like a third and eight, and they threw it down the interception inside right. the ten. Okay, so I get that, but. For the most part, I thought the defense played really well. Uh, it looked a little different than it has in the past. They had to throw extra guys at the, in the in the box. Yeah, eight man fronts. Once they snapped off that 80, 80 plus yard run early, the Bills kind of got a handle on it. But man, oh man, that's you know you kind of think in a close game that's too too much. It's too early and it, it's too much to give up. Yeah, Brees Hall had one hundred nine yards on his first two carries. Yeah, that ain't good. No, that's not good. A twenty six yarder and an eighty three yarder. Um, right. Special teams. They almost had a punt blocked. Came very close to happening. Yep. And obviously, guys got clearly got out of their lanes and responsibility on punt coverage on the, the game-winning punt return. In Gibson overtime. did something I have long been a proponent of for return guys, and I used to do it myself when I returned punts. When that, if you'll look back at that kick that he returned in overtime to uh, end the game, he took three, four, maybe even five steps right before putting his foot in the ground and going back the other direction. That's an enormous play. It's hard to do as a return guy. He got it, caught his momentum. He runs over there, boop, boop, stops, and comes all the way back um, to the left. 
when a returner makes that big a move one side and then comes down the other, that's why every once in a while when a guy goes all the way back around the other direction, it kind of works. But when you do it quick like Gibson did, man, as a cover guy, and you saw this too, as the Bills catch and he starts to go, everybody's mental clock is going fast. And then when he goes the other direct, goes to the right, Everybody says, all right, here we go. And they start to dive in to try and get over ahead of him to cut him off to the right, even when they're, they've got backside responsibilities. Saran Neal had that. Because the, the, mental, the desperation and the, and the urgency in everybody goes through the roof. And then when he stops and goes the other way. It's over. It's gone. It's done. I have always said and felt like when I was returning punts, that was a great move to make. Take if you've got time, and it doesn't always work because you don't have time. He's always maybe you know, somebody's in your face, right? But if you take three or four steps the wrong direction that you're not going to go, even if it's a called right return, if you take off left first and then go back right, it sets all the blockers up, and the guys who are covering kicks, the level of desperation skyrockets because they think they all right they got a bead on you now, and when you stop and go the other direction. Man, it, it's heartbreaking. I mean, it's like, oh, no. They just got completely outflanked. And in a place like when you're in, I mean, let's say we're in overtime and, the, and you're, you know, the, the antlers are up. I mean, you're like trying to get this, right? When you get caught like that, man, it's, yeah. I mean, that's what happened. I thought Gibson did a nice job. And there, we've seen a lot of replays of what, what looked, you know, the leg whip, and we've had a lot of, there's been a lot of feedback over Quentin Morris getting leg whipped by the tight end who was coming down in front of Gibson. And I said yesterday, I thought it was a good no call, and I, and yeah. I still believe it. Uh, now, the one last, the last shot you saw was from a sideline. The guy tried to go high on Quentin Morris. Quentin tried to go high over him. The guy just followed through. Um, Quentin was coming through, and his leg, the back of the guy's leg did hit Quentin in the, in the, in the legs. Um, that's not the classic leg whip, and I'm still I'm still thinking that's I'm that's that's a good that. no that's a good no call. Him. Yeah, he now his he leg does happens to be in the he leg. does he does probably hold his leg up in the air a little longer, trying to get give that guy a little help because his des you know it's like I said the desperation mode is off. So the guy's trying to make a block and maximize, and then when he misses Quentin Morris because Morris stops and avoids him, he's still trying to help. Um, yeah, I'm, I think that's a good no call. I mean, I, the, all the kicks I've seen and all the kicks I've covered, you're just not going to get that call ever, and I don't have a problem with it, even though it goes against the Bills. Uh, there was no way Quentin Morris was going to make that block when he got in front of him. The guy tried to go high and went down, and Quentin tried to jump over him, and the guy's leg was yeah. in the way. That's, I don't I, – I'm – yeah, you're not going to get that call. So – Gibson did a really nice job because it's really difficult to do as a returner because you know you got guys coming down there blowing steam out of their nostrils. I mean, they're it's yeah. it's you're you're in the you're in the way of a freight train. So when he took those steps to the right and came back, it was trouble. Yeah. So the Bills uh, turned their focus to the Las Vegas Raiders, their opponent on Sunday here in the home opener at Highmark Stadium, 1 p.m. kickoff on Sunday, and. Helping us to turn that page is head coach Sean McDermott, who is addressing the media. Let's go there. We'll go outside today. We're going to have a walkthrough um, from a practice standpoint, just on, due to the short week and the, and the travel getting back. Um, 
Injury report rather clean at this point. Uh, no new updates for you um, injury-wise to, to discuss at any length at least. Um, so that's what I have for you, and um, I'll turn it over to you with your questions. I wanted to start off by uh, addressing yesterday's news regarding Terry and some of those allegations. Is there been any vibe in the locker room reaction among your players, or have you felt the need to address that at all? Well, we, you know, we put out a internal thing yesterday here um, with the leadership group and um, um, you know in the six years six now going on seven years that I've known Terry Pagula that's that is not his character and uh, that's not the man that I know um, so hey Sean what about Josh Allen's approach and maturity allows him to turn the page so quickly while also learning from the mistakes on Monday night yeah, um, you know, Josh is extremely resilient. Um, uh, we've been through um, this experience before in, in terms of having to, you know, reset after a game like that. And, um, you know, that's that's what I expect him to do fully. Is that, is that kind of like the, the, the past <clears throat> and the experiences that you lean on? Because everybody I bumped, in, bumped into the last couple of days, the sky's falling in Buffalo. But just as unnerving as that performance overall was, what do you lean on to reassure yourself that this team will bounce back? Well, it's early in the season, number one. Um, uh, I've been through a number of years around the NFL, so, um, you know, thankfully they don't stack all the games into week one that you get a chance to uh, come back the next week and, and develop and make the adjustments you have to make. Um, so that's what we're focused on, in on right now and, uh, and going out here to practice and get ready for a good football team. Yeah, they've been professional. Um, you know, everyone um, looks at the game and says, hey, this is what I, um, they look themselves, look at themselves first and say, this is what I could have done better. And I think that's the right approach. And then, and then we move forward as a team. And, um, you know, we've got to do some things better. There's a lot that we did do well. Um, but at the same time, there's things that we've got to do better as we move forward here and build for the season throughout the year. Sean, in terms of in Jack, I mean, obviously the decision-making was a problem when he threw the ball, but the two plays that I want to point out were the running plays where he refused to go out of bounds when he had the easy out, and then he's jumping over a defender on another play. How many times do you have to tell him before he will learn that lesson? And has it gotten frustrating for you that he doesn't seem to listen to that point that you're probably trying to make to him? Well, he's competitive. I know that. We all know that, right? And, and you see it in full display every weekend. And, um, yeah, those are conversations that, that have been had and, and will be, you know, will continue um, to, to take place. And at the end of the day, he's got to do it because uh, I'm not out there running the ball or throwing the ball in this case. And I know the two plays you're referring to and, um, and probably a couple others that he had a chance. He should have gone out of bounds. And, again, it gets back to, as Josh and I have discussed, being a great decision maker. That not only means where you throw the ball, but also what you do when the ball's in your hands just overall and um, living to play another down, whether it's with the ball in your hand, running it or, or throwing it. Um, so it's just being a great decision maker. And I know he has that ability. I've seen him do it. Is it easier said than done to make those changes from your Josh? Well, everyone deals with with their own challenges. In this case, uh, Josh has a lot of a lot of good, and we've all seen that. We've seen the talent. We've seen the competitiveness. Um, so everyone has things that they're working on. In this case, Josh Josh is working on these areas of his game, and and I fully expect him to uh, to make the adjustment. Are there other ways he can work on that when 
besides just hearing it from you guys, whether it's practice on the sidelines, like are there other methods that can help him? There are. Um, there are, and, and you, just like with any athlete, we try and attack the problem from a lot of different angles um, or the challenge from a lot of different angles and, and help, the, help the player, in this case Josh, as much as we can. And, and then there's a piece where he has to do, do it on his own too. Um, we can only do so much, and then he's got he's to make the adjustment on his own as well. So um, this, this game and this team mean a lot to him, and, and, uh, and that game um, he wants back like we all do. And, and so um, I just know he's, when he's had situations like this come up before, he's, he's reset and rebounded and, and come out better the next game because of it, and that's what we're focused on now. Sean, can you t- just walk us through a little bit what resetting means to you when you talk about his need to reset? Well, it's to me, it's a mental skill, right? In the, in the uh, course of performance, um, for for those of us that uh, are in the arena, um, that play and, and coach, and you go through sixty-five plays on average, and you're going to come across a player or two that that is not that doesn't go the way that you want it to go, and so you have to have the mental ability to reset and get yourself back as soon as possible. And that's not just a a, uh, a personal thing that's or a selfish thing. That's a that's what your teammates need the very next play because if you're mentally hijacked that very next play, then then you're not being the teammate that they need you to be. And so in this case, um, I expect that Josh will reset in this case after a game like that, in particular second half, and and then come back better this week. John, what did you make of after you watched the film of uh, Torrance's debut with Nerdy? Looked like he held up pretty well against a pretty good front. He did, yeah. I mean, again, um, really nothing new to report from a from from a respect standpoint for for Cybo. I mean, there was there was some plays where you're saying, yeah, he's a young player and he's he struggled a little bit on that play. But then there's other plays where you said, hey, he was pretty poised in that situation just over the course of the the entire game against that type of front and that's in that environment as well. Should they get him a game like that against a line like that? For his first start, I mean, that's not going to get much. Yeah, we threw him in a little bit, right? Um, um, but he, he, just the one thing I love about him is his poise. He, he doesn't um, seem to be um, shaken by those type of challenges and in particular an environment like that. John, one of the things that kind of follow up on that about Torrance is looked like he was very demonstrative in, in communicating. Is that something you took away from that game? His ability in that environment in particular. Yeah. To, communicate with everybody else well when you play that position and sometimes a silent count gets involved there and so he's he's multitasking in, in certain certain situations there and when we had to use silent count and that's again a lot uh for a young player to handle and, and manage and and still play at a high level and um so he's off to a good start along those kind of same lines sean what did you think of kincaid his first uh, taste of the real thing. Yeah, similar look in his eye, Jay. I felt like he was, it wasn't too big for him, and that's been um, the case to this point anyway as well, and um, now we got to build on it really for both of them. Sean, the issue of artificial turf has come up as a result of what happened with the games of the Meadowlands and what happened here. What are your thoughts just on grass? And the, and there's a renewed push for having all grass fields in the NFL. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan personally of grass fields um, um, you know I feel like overall that's that's what uh, um, I think that's what the players want I just get the gist that that's what they that feeling that that's what they want but at the end of the day I, I get it um, so um, but um, I appreciate the NFL's uh, attention to making the fields as, as safe as possible Sean, Raiders did not allow the sack to Denver yeah. 
much is that Jimmy's experience, and how much is that the scheme of throwing quickly? No, they do. They do a good job. Um, they've got weapons, you know, outside as well, and and um, um, they've got speed and and then power with the, with the running back, and and Jimmy does a great job. They've been, obviously he's been with Josh um, for um, some time when they were in New England together there, so they they have a history and. Um, you know, I thought their offense really played well, executed well, and, and it'll be a big challenge for us. With all the elite pass rushers in the NFL, do people talk enough about how good Max Crosby is? Yeah, I had the opportunity to meet Max when I was at the NFL Honors. Uh, I believe it was Max's maybe rookie year. I think he won an award maybe. Um, did he win Defensive Rookie of the Year maybe his first season? Um, anyway, I, we met in, in an elevator there, and um, I was very impressed with him as a person, just how humble he was, how down to earth he was, and so his success since that uh, point in time is is of no surprise to me. And I'm sure the many that know him well, I don't, but um, I've just heard great things about him and his habits and his off off season um, regimen and everything. Sean, going off that, what is it about Christian Benford that just seems to have yeah, for a sixth round pick coming out of a small school? Maybe he doesn't have all the physical talents, but he just seems to have something in him that has made him yeah. successful. Well, I think uh, I think the one play that sums it up, sums it all up for me at least, is the play where he he made the uh, the effort play um, chasing down the running back. I mean, you want to talk about a play that should be shown on Sports Center um, when we're te- trying to teach our kids habits and proper habits, and those are the plays to me that need to be shown to kids when you're trying to teach. I've got young kids trying to teach them, hey, this is how you play the game. This is how you live your life. Um, he outworked people. And um, and the result of it was it saved us four points at the end of the day because it saved the touchdown. Um, we gave up the field goal there. But I think that's what should be written about. That's what should be on television if we're teaching our kids and teaching society the right way. Is he the brightest player on the team? Uh, he might be. Yeah, he might be. He's definitely not one of the more talkative ones, that's for sure. <laughs> Uh, you said Leonard Floyd, yeah. Um, I thought he was very active. I really did play with great energy, um, a Simon sound, and um, he was in their backfield, used his hands well in block protection, <clears throat> excuse me, but um, he was active um, really all, all night. What, what area did you Well, I just think overall, um, there's a lot that goes into that. And, um, you know, I think just, you know, the run and pass working together uh, a little bit better and establishing a line of scrimmage, um, you, you know, you want to be able to do that early in the game and, and, um, and then a clean pocket. I mean, all of that, all of that is, is how you play good offensive football. And um, I think you want, to, you want to get off to a better start, and we didn't get off to a great start in that regard. Uh, I thought we did a good job getting the ball out of Josh's hands, and I think in the first half, Josh was, what, like 17 for 20-some, low 20 number. And um, But having said all that, there's other things that, that we wanted to get done maybe in that first half early in the game that, that we didn't get done well enough. All right, that's head coach Sean McDermott addressing the media here today before their walkthrough session, which is going on right now. They'll be doing more ardent and arduous practice on Thursday and Friday, giving the players an extra day to recover here. So they're just walking through the game plan install today. Uh, If you've been living under a rock, the news was confirmed. Aaron Rodgers indeed suffered a torn Achilles. 
And you heard one of the questions asked of Coach McDermott there. Uh, the NFLPA is renewing their call for grass in all stadiums. We do know that the Bills' new stadium will be a grass surface. And I know in decades past, the argument against grass, particularly in northern cities, was, well, the grass stops growing in November. It's hard to keep the field in ideal condition once you get to November and December, let alone January. But it's different now. The technology is different now. And a lot of the NFL clubs are taking a page out of the book of the European soccer stadiums because the professional soccer season over there goes from August to May. It goes through the winter. And they play on grass. And the way they're able to do that is they have heated coil systems underneath the fields so that the ground never freezes and the growing season continues for that particular grass on those fields. The plan, I know in the new stadium, is to do the same with the grass field here, knowing the climate we live in come November, December, January. Yeah, and plus, you got to know most of these NFL stadiums don't have, particularly in here in Buffalo, you're, you don't have other events or at least a bunch of other events happening on yeah. the field. So they can kind of get it back in shape between games. Now, it's always been a problem what in what used to be Heinz Field in Pittsburgh, uh, what's now Acrisure Stadium. Uh, they used to have a real problem with that because they would have high school playoffs and championships on Heinz Field during the late part of the NFL season. And pit football. And pit football. And it tears it up. And I mean, there's too much activity on it. There's too much stuff going on in there. Uh, now, in Buffalo, they do the same thing in Highmark. They have these local, the local high, high yeah, school, you know, Monsignor Martin, the Section 6, all of this stuff's going on. Um, that may be an extra consideration for maybe – not letting that happen if you want the Bills service to be right. Um, and this thing about the heated coils in the stadium seems to work, except I talked to the guys in Chicago. They've got a grass stadium in Chicago. Yep. That field gets ripped up, and they don't have anything else going on in that stadium. I don't think they have the heated coil system, though. No, they do. Oh, they do? You know, I talked to the guy. I, I was as an on an NFL game back in the – but that's – Technology is 20 years old now. I don't you know, old Soldier yeah, Field. It's a lot better now. Um, they, keep, they continue to make it better. That field they struggled with at times with the surface. But uh, it can be done. But it's always a, a, a concern. But the, the thing is, here's as bad as it sounds. You get these grass surfaces, even a cruddy grass surface, it's not fun to play on because you'll slip and slide. But even when it's slippery and slidey, it's safer than one of the sure. fields that were, that stick, right? Um, the slipping and sliding, weirdly enough, makes it safer because you can't really grip or anything. You're, you know, you, you might pull a muscle once in a while from, you know, your groin muscle when you do the splits when your feet slide apart in a muddy field. But you're not going to get the same kind of injury problems that you do on a field that's never slippery. So, there's that. Yeah, this new stadium of the Bills is going to be a grass field. They'll, believe me, there it's it's an extra expense because it takes some maintenance. Yes. This, this field out here, what do they do? Drag it once or twice. You know, they, they brush it. Comb it. Yeah. They comb it once, <laughs> and that's it. I just pictured a giant comb <laughs> right? getting dragged. A guy the out there. <laughs> Big, no, like a giant like, comb with 30 guys like dragging. Like brushing your, brushing your dog almost. But that's what they do. That's all they got to do. Yeah. 
if you if they're having that field over there across the way that they're building and it's going to be grass and they you know it's going to be important that they have some cash to pay for it yeah. because the maintenance is going to be expensive right to keep it right uh, other news as we go around the NFL presented by Kaleida Health, the official health care system of the Buffalo Bills. Tough week to be a Bills fan when you go look at the players of the week for the AFC. There are two Jets and a Dolphin. Ouch. Special teams player of the week, to no one's surprise, is Jets return man Xavier Gibson. Defensive player of the week, Jets safety Jordan Whitehead with three interceptions. And the offensive player of the week, is Tua Tonga-Vailoa after his 466-yard passing performance in the two-point win over the Chargers. Uh, looking around, the only other thing going on is people are wondering who the Jets are going to sign to back up Zach Wilson. They have Tim Boyle on their roster, but the general consensus is they're going to seek a veteran upgrade, and they <laughs> – People are actually contemplating whether Tom Brady or Colin Kaepernick would be considerations through various sources and reports. The Jets in back channels are saying they are not interested in either of those two players. Tom Brady has also come out and made it clear he is done playing football. That would be like the Antichrist playing for the Jets if Tom Brady yeah, went right. to the Jets. Um, Colin, Kaepernick's not, Colin Kaepernick is not an option either. Um despite what his agent says and all, it, it, he doesn't want to play. So maybe being a backup is where you want to be. But in the Jets backup with Zach Wilson, you got yeah. to think you're going to get a chance on the field. And I don't think Colin Kaepernick wants any part of that. Right. Um, so, and he's turned down multiple op contract offers already. So I don't know what the Jets would have to pay him, but nothing, right? He's not going to do that. Right. So I'm thinking you're, you're looking at guys like that are fresh out of the league, like, like Matt, like Matt Ryan or like, um, Carson Wentz, uh, or you're looking at maybe what somebody something to trade somebody you know, and that is is that's not going to happen either. Right. Um, I would think you think about it because somebody's talking about now in Indianapolis they've got Gardner Minshew playing behind Anthony Richards. Minshew's got some chops, and he's an intriguing player. But you got to trade for him. And why would Indianapolis let him go? I don't. Although think Indianapolis is kind of that total rebuild thing. If you give him a give well, him a second day pick, maybe they'll do it. I understand that, but Anthony Richardson went hobbling off the field last week after taking some monster shots running around with the football. I think you'd like to have some kind of insurance plan if Richardson's going to play that way because he's not going to make it through the season. Except that you're not on that program right now. We're, you're not a playoff team. You're not trying to get the playoff. You're you're trying to get enough draft picks to bolster the roster around that guy next year. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, maybe they'll move him. We'll see. We'll see uh, if uh, phone calls are made. And you got to make the phone call because yeah. you got to have a guy on your roster anyway. I mean, they got a guy, but you know, if you can get Gardner Minshew, the problem is this: you get Gardner Minshew in there, and he gets in there, and like two weeks later, guys around the locker room are going, "Hey, listen, Gardner's pretty good." Yeah. Then you now you now what are you gonna do? Yeah. Then you got a problem. Well, do you? Well, I mean, everybody was all you already got a problem. Everybody it, was all hunky dory about Zach Wilson and how he shepherded them through the game last week. But 
I wasn't terribly impressed. I mean, Garrett Wilson makes an all-world catch for him in the end zone. I mean, his best yeah. pass was to Matt Milano. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't well. know if. I don't know if he has an internal clock. I don't know if he can play quarterback. And that party's probably going to be over by next Sunday because the Dallas Cowboys on the oh road. Oh, my gosh. With that offensive line. Yeah, let me tell you something. That ring, I mean, I, yeah. I still – let's not forget, Zach Wilson was running 40 yards behind the line of scrimmage late in that game on Monday night from Shaq Lawson, Daquan Jones, and uh, A.J. Epinesa all at the same time. Like, he was behind – they were at the Bills, like, 32-yard line. He's behind midfield. Yeah. I mean, he threw it away eventually, but I, I'm, I'm calling the play going, what is he do? – I literally said, what is he doing in the middle of the play? That had a chance to be an all-timer. An all-timer. I, I just – I don't know what it is. That I, play, if that play goes south that much – like, for instance, somebody gets a hand on knocks it loose, and they run it in for a touchdown to win the game, and Zach Wilson did that – that would be an all time. That would be butt fumble. Yeah, it, it would be right up there. I just, I don't know if he has what it takes to be a consistent quarterback in this league, and it's not going to go well this weekend down in Dallas. I mean, on the road, silent count, protection's going to be compromised. It's just, oof, it's not going to be good yeah, for that. Yeah, that Dallas front's, you know, it's up there, well, with Micah Parsons. I mean, that's like the jet front. I mean, that's that they're that good. That's not just Micah Parsons. There's a lot of other guys yeah, yeah. that can get to the quarterback. All right, we've got to spin it forward, as we said. That's around the NFL, presented by Collider Health. Topic of discussion today, we're going to spin it a little more positive after we got all our angst out yesterday. What positives from Monday night do the Bills have to build on, in your estimation? Maybe give us something you liked that encouraged you, despite the negative outcome. Of that football game, 803-0550, the number to get on board. We have to take a break here, but when we come back, Mark and Tanawanda will lead us off. Brian and Buffalo, Tom and Rochester, we'll get to your phone calls when we come back. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live here on a Wednesday as we set our sights on week two. Bills Raiders home opener here at Highmark on Sunday. And we're asking you, what positives are you pulling from Monday night against the Jets that you think the Bills can build on going into this game on Sunday? We kind of got all our negativity and angst out yesterday about the outcome of that game. There were some positives in that game, I think, and Steve and I will discuss them with you. At 803-0550-1888-550-2550, the number to get on board. Let's lead off with Mark in Tonawanda. What do you got for us, Mark? You're on One Bills Live. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Um, I was down in MetLife, and boy, do I hate that Jets chant. It was horrible. It went right <laughs> through me every single time. But, um, yeah, so since I was there, it was a long eight-hour drive back. Flight got canceled. A lot of adversity, right? And then Josh Allen performs the way he did. And I was just like everybody else. I was, you know, um, just disappointed in how he played. And I, I don't mind the interceptions. I minded like how how the interceptions happened. You know, like just guys weren't even didn't even look open for a second. It looked like you know he was panicking. Um, but here, here's what I come up with: 
that was a buzzsaw of a defense to try to get um, a rookie tight end, your new weapon acclimated, um, a tough week one matchup. And you know what? Joe Burrow last year, he threw four picks. No one cares when, when Joe Burrow does, but all of a sudden Josh Allen's this reckless, um, you know, player. And yes, obviously he has to make better decisions, but um, this is our guy. Uh, I'm going, I'm going to go to this game, the opening game with a fresh outlook. We have a gunslinger. He's going to throw picks. I don't want to limit him. And I don't want to limit him with the, that he shouldn't run. That takes away from his game. Let him play. And uh, I'm going to have to listen to what you guys have to say. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, I mean, I understand where you're coming from. Um, I think Josh just has to be more judicious here in the decisions that he does make. I think he also has to recognize time and score and circumstances in the game. As we stated yesterday, once Aaron Rodgers goes out, there's no need to take unnecessary risk in the football game by trying to squeeze a ball in a tight window or throwing caution to the wind and chucking it up to somebody in double coverage. Um, You could have played a little more conservatively in light of the circumstances that were going on in the game, not to mention the fact that you had staked yourself to a 10-point lead. It was 13-3. to No need to take unnecessary risk. Just take what the defense gives you, make good, you know, competent decisions, and don't raise the risk meter. There was no need to. So that that's where he's got to come down on this. He's got to make more judicious decisions, recognizing time and score, down and distance, and flow of the game as much as – and balance that with the desire to make a play properly. Yeah, I – I think the simple way to say it is I just wish Josh would play as well as we've seen him play. Um, and it's not about the high end. It's it's about cutting off the bottom of the roller coaster, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, just don't have the the swings and negativity. You don't want to take away his potential for running. Like on the first interception he threw, I mean, how I, I, every person who mentions it says, oh, why didn't he just, you know, run for the first down? Um he did it earlier in the game, and, you know, he, he, he got tripped up and fell down after that scramble. But on the big interception, the one that was down inside the 10-yard line, he had plenty of room just to run down and get the first down. And stuff. And those are the kind of runs you say, yeah, go ahead and do it, and then run out of bounds. And that really is disheartening for a defense uh, if you can do that. And that's what you're really asking him to do. Play the way you play, minimize the bad stuff, and, you know, relax a little bit yeah. and that's you know the, the decision making at times has been very good for josh over the over the his career but you know not in this jet game so you know just get back to what you're doing what you're doing and i know it's been a minute since you played um you know he had a couple of drives in the preseason but you know how it is um i think that's what everybody would like to see just do the stuff we've seen you do in the past yep Asking you positives to pull for Monday night that the Bills can build on going into their game with the Raiders. We go to Brian in Buffalo next. What do you got for us, Brian? Thanks for taking my call, guys. Uh, I'd just like to state that since 2020, Josh has led the league in interceptions or mm-hmm. turnovers. And also, though, since 2020, he's led the league in touchdowns. So I think we all just got to take a seat back, take the loss as we should, and – you know, because that's only the first game. We got 16 more games to go, and let's just let's keep riding with Josh. It's all we can do. Oh yeah. Thanks.
Yeah, right, nobody's right. gonna nobody's gonna bail on on no, Josh. No, I don't think anybody's. Uh, no doing way. That. Uh, so, yeah, and and I'll say this too. You almost get to the point where you got to know. In the building, he's he's getting an earful from mm-hmm. coaching staff, all guys on the team. Ken Dorsey, Coach McDermott, you know, Coach said in his press conference that we just carried on the air here earlier. At the end of the day, he's got to do it. He yeah. said, we have had the difficult conversations multiple times. I mean, you got to do it once and for all. That's why I, that's why I kind of chuckle when we have fans call us and say, these coaches got to tell him he can't. Somebody's got to get in his ear. It's like they're doing that's, that all the time. That's their job description. They're doing right? it all the time. That's, yes, and not only to Josh, they're doing it to other guys about stuff we never see or know about. You know, they're on them all the time. And I think, you know, it, you're right. There's, I saw a story, and people have been talking about it, how there was a story coming out about uh, just before the opening week about how week one is a liar, you know. And you can go back. And like the, the caller just said, week one last year, Joe Burrow throws four picks. You know, that's, that's kind of how you start out these he seasons sometimes. He kind of stunk on Sunday against the Browns, too. They, guys have games like this. Teams have games like this. The Bills are, have done it in the past where, you know, I heard <laughs> – I heard Joe and Jeremy this morning saying, is this in the, the top tier of stupid losses the Bills have had? And it um, – Yeah, they were gauging DEFCON levels. I'm thinking I'm thinking it probably wasn't. I, you know, the 13 seconds is up there. The Minnesota game is by far yeah. that one. The Jacksonville game, 9-6. to six. The Dolphins game in the heat lat down there where they had the ball for 42 minutes is on that list. Um, but nothing trumps for me – yeah, the 13-second game, but also that Minnesota game, I can't get over it. Yeah. I, that's the one that has – even the 13-second game. The, the Minnesota game, I cannot get over. Yeah, because there were multiple – Game stoppers. Highly unlikely plays for Minnesota to make just to extend the game, and they all happened. So, yeah, it was a cavalcade of – Highly unlikely, astronomical right. rate so, plays. Is this game, this Jet game, going to be like all of those? Is, does it fall in that category? I would say, yeah, but it's it's the way that is this that game in New York, just like the game in Miami, just like the game against the Minnesota Vikings, and just like the game in New York last year. They happen the exact same way. You turn the foot. Josh turns the football over. Somebody turns the football over at the wrong time, and it gives the other team just enough help so that they can beat you by less than a score, yeah. right? And then this one, you give up a punt return in OT. A punt return in OT. Are you kidding? I, I so I yes. This is one of the, this is how Bills lose games. They're hard to live with because they got no business losing games like that. Right. You're right. Let's go back to the phones and to Tom in Rochester. What do you got for us, Tom? Uh, thanks for taking my call. <clears throat> First time caller. A couple points I was going to make. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it seemed like the Bills were doing in the first half was working, and I know they were taking their short passes and mm-hmm. you know getting this kicking, and it worked. It was they were doing good. I think Josh gets a little every once in a while. Josh likes to throw the ball down and get that maybe a quick touchdown or something like that. But um, 
you know, we're lucky to have Josh Allen. He is a great player, and I, I, you're going to have bad games, and 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 happens to all the quarterbacks. And the one point I want to make with <clears throat> Stephon Diggs is I, I'm just a nervous, a little worried, and hard to say this that maybe he's looking for Diggs too much now because um, other guys can be open, and and I, I don't know. He just seemed like he forced the ball to Diggs a couple of times. And look, he's a great receiver, and I'm not trying to not say this, but I'm just hoping that. You know, there are, you know, Davis and some of these other receivers, you know, are open. And um, one of the quick, two quick questions I went on the fumble when they when it got to job right as it ball went into job, it looked like he turned his head to the right. And that threw him on. And I don't know what would have caused that at the last part of the snap. And one other quick question is I didn't see the injury report for the Bills in the last couple of days. I've been busy working everything. But I was wondering, did they come out of that game pretty clean, totally, or were there a few yeah. injuries? Um, Thanks so much for taking my yeah, call. Yeah, no problem, Tom. Uh, yeah, Coach McDermott, who we just had on 20 minutes ago addressing the media, said they have a pretty clean injury report uh, coming out of that game, so that is good news. I do know there were some players cramping at the end of it, most notably Micah Hyde, but according to Coach McDermott, nobody is any worse for wear, so that's the good news. As for forcing the ball, the digs, I mean, I know maybe in some instances it certainly looked that way. The second interception, for example, when he just threw it down the field because Diggs was down there, but it went into double coverage and it was nowhere near Stefan, who had to play defensive back on the play. So, yeah, you want to make an argument in those situations? I could see your point. But you also mentioned and kind of answered your own question, he's the best option they have in the passing game. So you're naturally going to try to feed him the ball as much as is realistically possible without completely tipping your hand to the defense. Yeah, I mean, and I'll say this too. It's quarter, I've, ta- I've got good friends that are quarterbacks, um, and I remember having conversations with them in training, during training camps, like all three of them. Like we had four quarterbacks in, in campus, Stan Gelbaugh, Jim, Frank Reich, and you talk to them, and I'm telling you, they do get that mindset. All of them do. From Brady to Peyton Manning to – Tommy Schmegmahoyten to Gardner Minshew to <laughs> Sam Howell to the, they all do that. The, this you know Charlie Bag of Donuts. They all get this mindset where they throw to a guy, the guy catches it, and they like it. And you can bet that's how Josh feels about Steph. He like he trusts him and throws it to him. And Steph made a great effort trying to keep that interception from happening. Guys, quarterbacks like that, and they do get favorites where they'll look for him. That's good grief. Jim used to throw it to me just because he liked my body language. There ain't no other reason. You know what I mean? They get that in, they get that in their mind and they they don't let they don't let they're like a dog with a bone. They chew it until it's gone. Yeah. So they keep going back to that guy until he's not an option. And there is a little bit of that maybe. But I think at this point you got to remember this too. Josh has a lot of history with Gabe Davis. They they spent most of their careers together at this point, and Steph as well, you know, Dawson Knox as well. So those three guys on this offense have as much history with Josh as anybody, so he, it's not like he doesn't trust any of those guys. Mm-hmm. But once in a while, you're right. I, I think there is something in there where, you know, you just look for that. In those crunch times, you think, okay, where's my guy? Yeah. And, I, I mean, Michael Irvin in Dallas in his Hall of Fame speech said the same thing. Troy Aikman got in a – they were down 21 nothing in that championship game, NFC championship game, and Troy Aikman looked at him and goes, I'm coming to you no matter what. <laughs> I mean, 
they have, they do it. It's, it's a, they're, you're dealing with human beings yep. who have trust issues. You know, when the chips are down. And, of course, Michael Irvin said, that's all I ever wanted. <laughs> Not surprising. Right. We so gotta, there you go. We got to take a break here. But what positives from Monday night against the Jets do the Bills have to build on, you think? I think Mike at Amherst has a couple of ideas. He's going to lead us off when we return with more of your phone calls here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. All right, Wednesday on One Bills Live. Welcome back. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Right back to the phones where we are looking from you to get from you your positives from that Jets game that you think the Bills can build on going into their Week 2 game against the Raiders. To Mike in Amherst next. What's up, Mike? Hi, guys. It's always a pleasure getting to talk to you. Love the show. Thank you for having me. Sure. Um, I, I felt two things, two positive things. Um, I know it was a small sample size of Aaron Rodgers, but I felt like our defense played great. We had him running for his life. Um, I know we gave up a couple big runs, but all in all, I felt like our defense looked really good. And then, um, Brownie, you've talked about this with Josh's efficiency. When he was taking what the defense gave him, I thought our game plan was awesome. I mean, we anticipated the Jets' defense was going to get to Josh quick, and I think we designed a lot of good plays to get the ball out of his hand quickly. Um, I, when it was 13-3 at halftime, I told my wife there's not a chance and you know what, we could ever lose this game. Um, I literally made a joke we could run the ball every down and punt it away every possession and still win the game. Um, I don't know if you guys think that's true or not. I was kind of making a joke, but um, that was kind of my assessment of the game. And um, I just think if we can keep Josh in the right headspace, which I know he's the only one that can do that, I think we'll be fine. And I, and I do think he will bounce back. We are a great team. And Steve, you've talked about this before. The only way we can lose is if we help the other team beat us. And then half the time we still almost beat him anyway. So I'm not hitting the panic button yet. Um, I think we're going to be okay, but I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Uh, let's start with the positives that he mentioned, Steve. He mentioned the defense. I think the pass rush specifically looked very impressive. Looked promising, I mean, yes. the fir- Aaron Rodgers played only four snaps. He was running for his life on all four snaps. He yeah. didn't complete a pass. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I, I know you said the other day, if Aaron Rodgers didn't get hurt on that play, he might have got hurt about ten plays later. Right. Because that's how much duress he was under. Yeah, they had that thing going, and we heard a lot about it after the game where the two tackles would come out and, and cut the defensive ends to get them their hands down so Rodgers could get rid of it quick and it wouldn't get batted down. Um, and Rodgers had said he didn't like that because if, it, if it's not there, if the corners are shutting it down or squatting on those routes, now what do I do? Now I got two defensive ends with their tackles are on the ground yeah. and they're standing there. So that's exactly what happened. You know, Leonard Floyd comes in, and, and let me tell you something. Leonard Floyd, Greg Rousseau, they had good games. AJ Pepe, Epineza, they cover some. They're long. They yeah. take about two sh- two strides, and they're fifteen feet closer to you than they were a half a second ago. So it, they close that ground fast, and you can tell Aaron was he got caught. That's how that play happened. That they got a. He's sitting there. He has to hold the ball because the play's covered. Tackles laying on the ground. And here comes Leonard, <laughs> Leonard Floyd. Yeah. So he's stuck. So that's what happened on two of those. They did it twice. Yeah. And it, one of them got him nicked up. So to say the least, 
Pass the pass rush, is rush yes, the pass rush is very promising. Now we, you know, we didn't get a really big sample size because everything changed when Zach Wilson came right. on the field. But I'm, I liked where they were headed, and they went to an eight-man front to try and combat the run game. Uh, probably a little too late, you know, one play at least too late. But right. um, I'll say this too. I'll, I'll bring it up again. Christian Benford makes a four-point tackle in a game that, that went into McDermott overtime. Coach addressed it in his press conference today. He said yeah. that should be on highlight reels. That that's I couldn't believe he ran him down. He ran him down, and listen to this. Not only that, he ran him down past Garrett Wilson, who had his finger in the air saying, hey, here we go, we're scoring a touchdown. He ran right by Garrett Wilson, who was doing that, yeah. and made the tackle. What's Garrett Wilson thinking right now? It's if not he gonna, taken it's two, not going to look good in the film room on Tuesday. All he had to do was take two strides to his left, and, and Benford, Benford would have had to go around him, and that's it. It's over. But he didn't. Yeah. And Benford, you know, cuts the angle down and makes the tackle. To Mark's other point, um, I do think it was a good game plan on offense. It wasn't executed to perfection. But from the usage of 12 personnel, because I'm just going to tell you, last year, the Bills' number one personnel grouping was obviously 11 personnel, which is the predominant personnel grouping in the league. Guess which defense in the NFL was number one defending 11 personnel? It was the New York Jets. So what did the Bills do? Ken Dorsey came out in 12 personnel on over 63% of their snaps last week. And it was working. Josh was efficient. They were matriculating the ball down the field. There weren't a lot of big plays, but that's because the Jets don't give those up. Right. And then he just became a little impatient, made the decisions that he made. But I thought the crafting of the plan was pretty sound going into that. And there were some elements of it that were, in fact, working. Go back and look at the All-22 film if you have that uh, that chance and look at some of the things that, you know, and that's just it. I mean, Josh has to make the choices Josh makes. And, I, and I'll say this, too. I'll tell, take Josh and his problems that he presents over just about anybody else. You know what I mean? Um, you, can make a, you can make an argument for Mahomes and how good he is, and I get it. I get it. That guy's special. Uh, Josh is special too, um, and I still think, given I mean, a lot of people would uh, would gladly trade up for Josh Allen, whatever issues he brings to the table. This game the other day, yesterday or Monday night, um, I mean, you got to sit back and say, "Wow, that's that was out of character." Now we've seen it happen to him in the past, but it's been two or three years since since that got there. And I think it was a confluence of Monday Night Football and 9-11 and Aaron <laughs> Rodgers and opening night. So I'm thinking we're going to bounce back in a big way this week. Break time for us here, but more of your phone calls when we come back. We also hope to hear from some of the players coming off the practice field today after their walkthrough session today, including Josh Allen. But your phone calls when we continue here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Presented by Kaleida Health. 
All right, we're rolling right back to the phones here in hour number two on a Wednesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Seeking the positives to pull from the Monday night loss that the Bills can build on heading into week two against the Raiders. Back to the phones we go. And to Joe in West Seneca. What do you got for us, Joe? Hi, Chris. Great job on the broadcast, Steve. You're a Hall of Famer. Thanks. Everybody knows it. I always lead with that. And uh, here are my positives. One is Dalton Kincaid showed promise against a very good defense running after the catch. I thought, too, Stephon Diggs, I kind of disagree with one of the earlier calls. I'm more of like a basketball guy, feed it to the hot hand. I don't care if he's double teamed. He's one of the top three receivers in football. I would feed him, feed him, feed him. At the half, my wife turned to me and said, we're just going to run it and feed digs, right? And I said, yep. And the other thing is Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd and Bon Miller, are you kidding me? With the best is yet to come. And my last one is James Cook. James Cook averaged over three and a half yards of carry. He was getting the ball four yards deep in the, in the backfield on some plays. He is going to break out in these next three, four games like we haven't seen. I have complete confidence in him, and I have complete confidence in this team, and I can't wait till Sunday. I just can't. So thanks for taking my call, and I'll just listen to your thoughts on what I said. Thanks, Joe. That, that, was, that was a pep talk there, I think, from Joe. Thanks for that. I, I, yeah. I needed that. Yeah, and he's right. Uh, all the stuff he mentioned. I, I'm ready for Dalton Kincaid to have a bigger role. I loved what I saw from him. I, saw, I loved what I saw from Dawson Knox, uh, James Cook. Um, looks to be the guy who's going to get a majority of the snaps, and I'm I'm anxious to see him uh, work as well. And you're right. Hey, listen, Steph's not going anywhere. They ain't going to stop throwing it to him ever. So um, you can bet that there he's going to get his share of, of targets. So yeah, all those all that stuff. And you're and I agree with you. I think week one was a total aberration. That's what I'm. That's where I'm at today. And I don't. I mean, we got a long way to go, and they got to prove me right or prove me wrong. But I've seen this team and this group play too well to think this is that game in in New York is who they are. Yeah. Let's get back to the phones and to Chris down in San Antonio. What do you got for us, Chris? Hey, how you doing, uh, Chris and Steve? Doing well. Good, good. Hey, well, the the last caller kind of stole my thunder. I was going to say uh, a bright spot was Dalton Kincaid. I think he had four catches on four attempts. The kid is catching everything that's coming his way, and I wanted to know if you guys can elaborate on if they're going to use him a lot more uh, in the you know during the season. Yeah, sure thing, Chris. Thanks for the call. I think you can anticipate him being used an awful lot. They have clearly fast-tracked him. It was readily evident in training camp and then even in the preseason and I think they know he can be that weapon that can get them the yards they need when they're in a second and long situation and they want to set them up for third and manageable or a first down. Um, I think we also have to remember that the Jets are a fast flow defense. Even if you're open, they close on the football in a snap in numbers. And so the fact that he even got any yards after the catch against a defense of that caliber, I think was a good sign. So, and, and you're right, he is sure-handed. His hands are bigger than Josh's. They're like 10 and a quarter inch. I think Josh is like 10 or 10 and a half inches. Josh is 10 and a quarter. I mean, he's got big mitts. He does not drop the football. So, yeah, I was encouraged by what we saw and the way they even schemed up some plays to make sure he got the football. That one little leak-out play that our MSG viewers just saw when he came underneath the formation 
in motion uh, was good. And they sent Dawson Knox the other way. I, I think you're going to see a lot of 12 personnel because of the predicaments it puts the defense in and the tells it gives the quarterback because of how they have to line up and the personnel groupings they have to put out there. Yeah, I don't know that you'll see as much 12 personnel every game. Not 63%. Uh, they were no. 63% 12 personnel, but that was a jet matchup thing. Yeah. And um, so I think that's part of that. And then, so against the Raiders, maybe not as much, but you can certainly you know that Kincaid's going to get a lot of snaps this year. Uh, if yeah. he stays healthy and all this other stuff. Whether they're in 11 or 12. Right. He's going to get a, a lot of snaps. So because of that, yeah, he's not going anywhere. He's too – it's no coincidence that he got four th- targets, he caught four balls. We've been watching him th- all through training camp. The guy does not drop passes. Right. Now, having said that, he'll probably drop the first one out of the gate on Sunday. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, that's his thing. He catches everything that's thrown to him. And he also is really good after the catch. So we'll see if it continues, but it's off to a good start. To Keith on a cell, what you got for us, Keith? Yeah, my positive for the game was we didn't have a whole lot of drop balls this week, which was a big plus compared to last year. And the only thing about Allen I'd like to see would be they go back to what Dayball used to do when he started having games like this. They would take the ball out of his hands for a drive or two where they just feed the running back and let him reset himself rather than having to worry about throwing the ball where he could just turn around, hand it off, and reset himself. I think that would make a huge help for him. Yeah, that, well, that's a good point. I actually like your first point even better, Keith. Drop balls were a problem last season. They were second in the league in drops to only Green Bay. And on Monday night, for the most part, it was not a problem. Just dropping passes, it was not a problem. Yeah, a couple of them were incomplete, but like they, it was because Josh bounced it in there or it yeah. was a little tough catch, whatever. Yeah, you never, you never had any of those things we saw so much of last year where it's third and six and the guy's at the sticks and he's starting to turn up the field and the ball hits the ground yeah, right out of his hands. You, you know, that kind of stuff is just a crusher. And you didn't see any of it last last Monday night so that's awesome but um, going forward um, I think you're right Um, it's going to be a different team it's going to be a different team this Sunday than it was on Monday night and it's going to continue to evolve and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch Uh, Kincaid is a I mean it's been a minute since the Bills had a tight end that was a factor only like you know what I mean like a like a like a whole Holy cow, how are we going to guard this guy? Right. And Kincaid may be working towards that. Yeah, I know when Charles Clay got here, they hoped that he would be that. I just don't think they had the quarterback play to maximize what he was capable of at times. Right. And then he had his own shortcomings uh, towards the end of his stint with Buffalo, like hanging on to the football. Back to the phones and to Butch on the east side. What do you got for us, Butch? My guys, how are you? First of all, great show as usual. Uh, I'm going to get right to it. Number one is I'm going to just say, let's leave my quarterback alone. Okay, I'm going to everybody get calm down, leave him alone. Let his confidence be what he is. I don't see Kelly throw interceptions. I don't see Elway throw interceptions. I see Marino. I don't see them all. Maybe they might have not turned the ball as much. So what? He might That might be his legacy. But he still might have five Super Bowls at the end of his retirement. But anyway, moving forward. I'm going to say this, and I listened to your show yesterday, as usual, and you guys had an outstanding show when Dan Olowski was on there uh, and you guys, and he was speaking 
he was speaking, and I know why you guys actually being in the studio, sitting there, you can hear him uh, really teaching and coaching Josh Allen of what he hypothetically of what he would do or what should be done, basically. And I remember when the bought when the Indianapolis coach, uh, the old coach was there, and if he would have got hired, Orlowski was going to be the offensive coordinator under under his tutelage. And I'm just saying this. I'm going to go through the season what I have, but I'm going to say this, that at the end of this season, if it doesn't change, I want, my, I want McDermott, I mean, my guy Sean and, and, and Brandon, just to evaluate of, of getting this man some help, of somebody of that type of caliber with that type of, uh, as they say, Steve and, and Chris, when you go for a job interview as a head coach, they want to ask you what's your plan when you interview for a job, if you do, maybe maybe uh, my guy might turn off, turn it up a little bit, might not even, you know, might keep his job. But that's the type of guy that I want Josh to have. And I'm, I'm going to put that on the show. We, yeah, have, to get Go we ahead. have to get identity. We have to get identity on screen. Let our team be the screen game, bubble screen brand, just like Charlie Weiss was when he was with the Patriots. Let's be a screen team. That's it. I love you guys. Have a great day. All right. Thanks, Butch. Um, yeah, screens, traditional screens, for some reason, seem to be a little difficult for them to execute with precision. There are other kinds of screens you can use, obviously, and you can turn to those, and maybe they execute those better. So I get what you're saying. You know, back off the pass rush when you're facing a front like the Jets. I've had a hard – I think one of the reasons – I've said this before, and I don't know whether somebody's refuted it or if I – you know, whatever, but and maybe they have and maybe I'm way off base – Josh is a hard quarterback for an offense to run screens around because defenses rush four straight ahead. And even when, when one of their guys comes free, it ain't enough. Josh outruns the guy out of the pocket. Yeah. When you've got a defensive pass rush that's already got their antenna up for a guy getting out of the pocket and all that, screens are hard to put over them because you've got to catch him in a place where you've got a quarterback that can't move, and an offensive line that stinks, and you got to think, okay, every, all those guys are racing to the quarterback, and that's all they're thinking about. And then the, the, all of a sudden, right behind them, you got a back, you toss it to them, and, and the defensive line's out of the play. I think defensive linemen have their antenna up so high when they're playing a guy like Josh that they're sensitive to backs releasing and that kind of thing, and the old screens just aren't as effective. All right, so let me ask you this, because we saw what Ken Dorsey did. Instead of using screens, he used draw plays to, yeah. to James Cook, and he used them a half a dozen times with mixed results. Yeah. Is the draw play just as susceptible I to a screen? So. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I think with, with a quarterback like Josh. Teams don't rush Josh Allen with a pass rush like they do other guys. Does it make any difference if he's under center and then runs the draw yeah, play? Maybe, maybe, but – it depends, and I can't tell you. Because he's not under center a lot, right? because I can't know. tell you what their tendencies are when he gets under center. Is he handing it off all the time? Is yeah. it always – or is it play action? Right. Uh, they'll know that kind of stuff. So, I don't know. It, I see what you're saying, and it could be that. But I don't know that he takes a snap under center and then drops back five steps, hitches, and lets it go. I don't think they've got that too much in their game plans. No. So, they're going to know something's up. You know, it'll be – even that's a telltale. But I'm, I've always thought it's hard for the Bills to run screens because of Josh, not because he can't execute it, but because defense just don't buy that, that 
that he's under so much duress that they're going to get him. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. And that's kind of what a screen is. Maybe I'm yeah, it's a bailout maybe, option for a quarterback that can't move. Maybe that's too simple an explanation as to why they don't no, run it. No, I don't it. think it is. But yeah. I think that I, I, that's my take. Yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, we had Dan Orlovsky on the show yesterday telling us he'd like to see Josh under center more too to kind of back that pass rush off, get linebackers to wait an extra half second off play action. Like, oh, is it a run cut? Oh, no, it's not. You know, like that kind of thing. Because we've seen play action work for decades in this league because right. linebackers are inherently taught from the age they're 10 years old, flow to the football, throw to the football. And if they think it's a run, they're flowing, you know, they're cheating up and now you got room behind them to throw. Let's go back to the phones. And up next is Mark in West Seneca. What do you got, Mark? Hey boys. How are you? I'm unplugged for a couple of days. I got to lead with this because well, after a game like that, we got to get rid of Brandon Bean because he doesn't know what he's doing and he doesn't draft well. McDermott's not a leader. Josh Allen's not as good as everybody thinks he is. And blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I just can't listen to it. I just can't. Uh, people seem to have forgotten where we were before this regiment, this regime took over. So I just wanted to lead with that. Um, number one, uh, Jordan Phillips. Thank you. Welcome back. I hope he's healthy. It's nice to see that big man with a big push in the middle. Get a sack again. Get him excited. Get him going. Let's pray he stays healthy because we got him and Ed Oliver with the way he can rush the passer and three outside outstanding rushers. This could be a really, really good season defensively up front for our guys. And then the other thing I'd like to just comment on is uh, about Josh. Okay. And I'm going to give a little bit of different maybe perspective. Maybe, Steve, because I know you're a big hockey guy, uh, you might appreciate this. Uh, I'm a 30-year hockey coach, okay? Coached every age group from little guys all the way up through into the juniors. Um, And when I look at Josh and the kind of game he played on on Monday night, I equate that to uh, we've all seen kids in youth hockey and even maybe in some higher levels that they seem to be able to do anything and everything they want out there. Uh, they, they, they get the puck, they take it down the ice, they can score, they do everything, and everything's on them. They know they're the man, and they usually are the go-to kid and that everybody looks to to make a difference in a close game. And that's what I look at with Josh. He seems to be, I'm sure he, he is such an unbelievable athlete. Whatever sports he played growing up, he's used to being the man. Okay, he's used to being able to take over games when it's the most important time and when uh, your team needs you, someone, to make the play to be the difference. And I'm not saying he doesn't understand he needs to distribute the ball or that he he needs to understand, doesn't understand, that he needs to get other people involved and help him. It's just a second. It's an instinct in players like that. And when it gets push comes to shove, Sometimes they push the envelope too far, and now he's on the biggest stage with the greatest athletes, and sometimes it doesn't click in his mind that, hey, maybe in the minute, in the moment, there's other great players over there that could maybe stop me. They're not used to being stopped. So it's just a different perspective, um, and, and that's what I see in Josh. I would never want anybody but Josh. I love you win with guys like that. And you win with the best athletes. So let's just keep moving forward with them. He'll straighten it out. But just a little bit different perspective, guys. Yeah. Thanks. Okay, Mark. Thanks. Um, 
To your point on Jordan Phillips, yeah, it was nice to see him out there again, moving like we're used to seeing him. So pretty encouraging signs from him. Had the shoestring tackle on the sack. And I think, I think when Jordan goes out and plays and he's productive, you get better play from him the next week. I think he's encouraged by his own success. And so for him to get a sack in that first game, I think is going to pay dividends in the next game and the game after that. Because last year was a slog for him with well, the hamstring yeah, injury yeah. and then the shoulder injury that required off-season surgery. Yeah. And I tell you this, too. I, I was, your stuff about Josh, uh, Mark, I, I get it. We've a lot of youth coaches out there and even higher-level coaches out there. And I don't think there's any question. Everybody knows Josh's problems, particularly this last week, were between his ears. And that's fixable pretty quickly. It's not like he doesn't know enough. It's not like he isn't good enough. It's not like the guy was in a bad headspace, and you got to find a way. And I think this is where the key is. It's not about if, if Sean, Sean and Sean has alluded to this as well. If if Josh goes starts having moments like that, you got to have something to go to and say, "Listen, we're gonna we're gonna drag him out. Listen, here, hey, hey, let's reset for a minute. Something to get him in a different mindset." And that's what they were not able to do on Monday night. Speaking of Josh, he is addressing the media following the team's walkthrough practice today. Let's go listen to Josh Allen. I mean, we always we always talk about it, and we always say it's never as bad as you think. It's never as good as you think. You know, if you have a great win and you go back in, it's never as good as you think either. So, um, obviously, got to play smarter football. Uh, I thought our team did a lot of good things. Don't want to take away from that. You know, it's the grand scheme of thing, it's one game, and uh, we're not going to let it turn into two. This might be part of your answer, but you've been through situations like this before you have that experience. You've shown resiliency in the past. Do you have like a, I don't know, a mental template or something, a, a process by which you come out of a game like that and look toward the next one? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, internally just understanding the game, understanding situations. Um, and making that a point of emphasis on on game day, and um, let it get away from me this last game. And again, I don't, I'm not going to let it affect me going forward. You know, as a quarterback in this league, and, and the best ones are able to kind of put them this behind them, but take away, you know, lessons from it, um, but not let it affect how they play the next game in a negative way. So um, again, trying to use it to my advantage and and learn from it. It's not the first time I've thrown three. Um, and, you know, barring how long I, I play in this league, hopefully it's a long time. It might not be the last I ever throw three. So, again, just trying to put it behind me and focus on playing smart ball and, um, you know, putting this team in situations to, to win football games. Where does that confidence come from? Like, being able to kind of push it. Is it the experience that you've had in the league? Is that something that you had coming in to when you have bad moments to kind of maintain it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's internally driven a little bit. It's, it's trust in your teammates. It's... Um, having guys come and talk to you and, and tell you to wash it and, and get, get rid of it. So um, just leaning on those guys in the locker room and, uh, again, looking forward to playing my best ball. What lessons can you take from that game? Like what stood out to you is like, okay, I did this and I can do change it going forward specifically? Well, I mean, I think, again, um, I think all three interceptions came in third down situations. Um, so one – Try not to be in those, we call them red situations, where it's third and longer. Um, and two, understanding when to give up. So um, I can sit here and talk about it all I want. 
you know, um, got to be about it. You also mentioned, you know, the running plays where you maybe could have gone out of bounds instead of, you know, trying to hurdle or get that extra couple yards. When you're on the field, how do you do that, like, make those efforts to get out of bounds and, like, balance kind of wanting to get more yards versus, like, making that? Yeah, just going into it and, you know, having good talk with uh, Coach McDermott on you'll know when that time you need to do that, right? You'll know when you need to, to try to take over the game. Um, but up until that point, like, again, that's that's probably later in the game. If, if something, if we needed a first down or need something, that's when you kind of can, can do a little bit extra. But, again, just understanding the situation, the flow of the game, and, and getting down and not taking those hits. Josh, when you said when to give up a second ago, that, that's interesting. <coughs> I mean, we've seen you. We know the arm you have, the ability to get the ball in the tight windows and that sort of a thing your level of competitiveness, all of those things. And I'm just take me maybe inside that a little bit. I, I, I think all those throws were there were multiple defenders, um, you know, on the coverage and that sort of a thing. Is that is it just that you feel like you can get it in there and, and you, you need to make a play in that situation? I mean, I think that, that that's part of it. And, um, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Sometimes we get away with it, and sometimes it's the greatest play ever. Sometimes it happens the other way, like like it did Monday night. And, um you know, I I understand. I want I want to be smarter. I want to help this team win football games. I don't want to put the ball in, in harm's way or in jeopardy. Um, and just trying to again trust that and trust the guys on the field with me and um, play selfless ball. How do you try to manage that without taking away you know the aggressiveness and the things that makes you you? Um, yeah, I think again just trusting the guys on the field with me and knowing when when you can and can't um, try to make those types of plays. And, um, again, it's, it's, like I said earlier, it's the double-edged sword of I get away with it a lot of the times, and sometimes I don't, and um, sometimes it hurts us. So just knowing when and, when and where to do it and uh, when not to do it. And, again, that's a learning, learning process that, that takes a long time. And, um, you know, I'm year six in this league, and I, I should know better when to do that. And now i got to, like I said, got to go out there and i got to prove that. How do you think uh, Torrance held up in his first real real exposure? I thought he played extremely well. Um, the moment wasn't too big with him. Obviously, the, the Jets' D-line is a pretty pretty good group, um, but I thought he, he held his own for the most part, and, again, he's only going to get better as time goes on. Josh, you mentioned... First down struggles. Was it poor execution, poor plays, combination of both? There was a lot of them where, you know, there was a negative gain or no gain to start every possession. Yeah, um... I mean, it comes down to execution at the end of the day and making sure that, um, you know, we're prepared, my, myself being um, the guy that's the most prepared there. But, um, you know, we want to stay in front of the chains and, and not put ourselves in a second and long situation. And, you know, we're trying to get into the second and fives and second and fours and, and trying to skip some third downs. And uh, we didn't do a good enough job with that on Monday. So a lot to learn from um, from this last game, for sure. Sorry about that. Uh, every every time you looked Dalton's way the other night, it was completion. What did you think of his game? And uh, was there maybe even maybe more opportunities on film that maybe you saw uh, after reviewing it? Yeah, um, I thought he played well. Um, found found himself some some ways to get open. I think there was a couple times where uh, still could have plucked a ball on him. Decided to opt off and get to a different different receiver. Mm. But I thought he uh, he played smart. Um, I thought he did a good job with the ball in his hands of getting north and getting some extra yards. Um, and again, it's that trust with me and him will grow over the the course of the season. Josh, you mentioned leading as much on. as this, you go around town and like the, the sky is falling. It seems after what happened on Monday, but what gives you and the team confidence in knowing you can bounce back from something like that? 
Yeah, well, I mean, like the team as a whole. We had four, four turnovers, and we had a chance to win it in overtime. At really the end of regulation, came down and scored on a two-minute two-minute possession um, at the end of the regulation there, which. Again, guys could have folded, guys could have said this and that, but we came out and we, we gave ourselves a chance at the very, very least. Um, but now we got to go out there and execute and, and get a touchdown. And um, again, I put that upon myself, but you know, you break it down, our, our defense played well, um, you know, offensively, other than three or four plays, you know, take those plays out. And I know it's football and you can't do that, um, but I thought we moved the, well, the ball well and we were efficient in what we were doing. And again, it comes down to me making the right decisions. Josh, you mentioned leaning on teammates when you're trying to reset after a game like that. There's been a decent amount of turnover on this offense. Who do you find is kind of your core support system right now? Yeah, I mean, Deion Dawkins, uh, I've been here the longest with him. Um, you know, he's been here since I've, I've gotten here. Um, Mitch, Steph, Gabe. Um, and just making sure that, you know, they're communicating to me. And you know, I, I take things extremely hard, you know, especially when we lose and when we lose the way we did. Um, so those guys coming up and just, you know, giving me nucks or a little hug or something that, that goes a long way. So again, we're 24 hour rule. We've learned from it. Uh, we're moving on to, uh, Vegas, our home opener and looking forward to, uh, Bill's mafia being in the stands. One had also mentioned though, how there's multiple ways to kind of help you attack the problem of making sure you don't feel like you have to do too much, whether it's teammates talking to you. You just said it was multifaceted during practice. What's maybe the most helpful when you're trying to, you know, focus on that um I mean I think you know at the end of the day it comes down to myself and uh, this last game I felt fully prepared um had a great week of practice um you know again I thought we did some really good things throughout the game too um ultimately offensive ball you you can't have three bad plays you know it's going to cost your team so uh cleaning those up and, and moving on with your emphasis or the team's emphasis on running style, not taking as many hits. How much did you find your maybe instincts being a little uh, changed at all? I mean, on a play-to-play basis on, do I do, what do I do here? Yeah, I mean, again, just having the thought in my head before the game and just maybe telling myself, like, all right, let's make an added emphasis on getting down or getting out of bounds when you get the first. Um, and just, yeah, just kind of mental reminders for myself to, to do that, so it's it's not easy. Uh, and again, it's our first my first real live game. I know preseason is what it is. Um, I got two or three drives in the preseason, so um, just knocking some of the rust off and getting back to it. It's been a real business on the push for grass, um, grass fields. Um, after and after what happened at the Meadowlands, you know, and, and Aaron going down. What's your thoughts on on that? Well, for one, um, I'm gutted for Aaron. Um, you know, I feel like I have a pretty good relationship with him and, um, you know, a first ballot Hall of Fame guy that, uh, there's a lot of, obviously the whole off season and, and the hype surrounding that and for it to go down that way, it freaking sucks. And I hate that for him. Um, he's such a, such a good dude. He's a fantastic player. Um, I hate to, hate to see that. Um, as far as, as grass goes, I think we've been pushing for, for this for a long time as players, you know, the, the the way our bodies feel after turf games, um, after turf practices, for that matter, is significantly different than on grass. And you can bring up all the statistics for this and that, but as players, we feel it and we, we know it. So, um, 
yeah, I wish we, I know our new stadium's going to have grass and looking forward to that day, but, um, you know, it's got to figure out a way to get everybody to get grass. How much did you ahead. feel it on a play-to-play -play basis regarding what we were talking about earlier? When you say you go into it with a certain mindset, maybe some mental checks, thinking about it, and then on a play-to-play -play basis when you have to make that half a split second, especially against a defense like that that is so fast, did you find yourself after a play or after the whistle thinking, should have done this, or maybe I had it, I, I stopped the thing? Or? Yeah, um, again, third down situations, that's when things tend to speed up and um, just, just got to recognize that, and again, find the smart play. And again, within the flow of that game, didn't have to be otherworldly. Didn't have to be someone other than myself. And I was trying to do too much. And um, again, a lot, lot to learn from. And um, excited to get back out on the field and kind of wash that and wash that taste out of the mouth. You know. Looking ahead to the Raiders, Marcus Peters, Marcus Apps, two different levels, two very good football players. Are those Go the punks. kind of guys you kind of have to know where they are every play? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Love Marcus. I went to went to school with him. Um, looking forward to seeing him again. He's I got one of his jerseys on my wall, um, so it's one of my my good pals. We did a lot of fun stuff together in college, and um, you know playing against him in a more prominent role in a defense. Um, it'll be fun to, to go against him, and you know he's playing really well right now. And um, obviously new new system, new team for him. Uh, I thought he played well this last game. And as far as uh, Peters goes. You know, he's a long-time vet in this league. He's very savvy, route recognition, um, tends to jump some routes and um, has some success doing that. So we've got to be got to be aware of where he's at and who he's on um, because he can impact a game. You talked about Dalton already specifically, but just the use of 12 personnel being such a jump from last year, it felt like it was going to go that way this season. But what did you make of it with the one-game sample size, just how it worked for you all? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, we're going to continue to grow with it and, and try to try different things and new new things with those guys and to see what best suits us. Um, but in terms of, you know, getting Steph in the slot and, and Dalton and Dawson to one side and just kind of working off of that, um, again, that, that part of our game plan will grow as time comes. But I'm um, excited to see how that can go. Thank you, guys. All right, that's Josh Allen addressing the media after their walkthrough practice today. And, you know, he's looking to flush it. That's basically what he's looking to do. We will discuss that and take more of your phone calls, but we do have to take a break here as we are late for it after listening to Josh. So we'll return in just a second here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. All right, we're back here on One Bills Live. Uh, some good comments from Josh Allen. Looks to have his... Head cleared after uh, reviewing the film and trying to take a fresh new approach and basically just flush week one going forward without forgetting there are mistakes he needs to learn from. So some encouraging comments from him. But let's go back to the phones. We are seeking the positives that you are pulling from Monday night's performance that you think the Bills can actually build on going into week two. And up next to discuss this, Jay in North Buffalo. What do you got for us, Jay? Hey, guys. Uh, happy Wednesday. One more day closer to Sunday so we can put this all to bed. <laughs> um, I thought Dorsey uh, is, is is getting a lot of unfair blame here. I, I thought he called a great game Monday. Um, you know, I really liked what he adapted to in the run game. You could tell the first series or two, you know, we were trying to run up the middle, and you could just see that there was no success. I feel like in the years past, 
we just continued to try to pound it up the middle. And it seemed like we went to more of an outside run game. Um, and it seemed to work better. And I think that's our strong suit. You know, definitely on the plays where Josh was making mistakes, there were guys open. You know, obviously, if you've gone back and you looked at the tape, um, I, again, I just I think he's getting a lot of unfair blame in a lot of this. You know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, Josh doesn't trust him, so on and so forth. Um, so that's just my comment that I have with that. And uh, I just wanted to throw something else out there, too. Um, you know, I, I think just kind of looking at Josh, I think he's just got too many people talking to him about a lot of different things. And I, I think it's causing hesitancy in his game. You know, it's don't run and take unnecessary hits unless it's there. You know, it's take the, the check downs, throw to the running backs more if it's there. You know, I mean, these are all things where, you know, I, I feel like we're just kind of really hamstringing his game a little bit. Just let the guy go out there and continue to be the absolute beast that he's been for the last several years for us. And, you know, mistakes are going to happen. This is football. You know, Steve knows this more than anybody else. You know, it, the game is so volatile on a play-by-play basis. Each play is kind of like its own individual life force and can completely change the complexity and the momentum of the game. Uh, I just think he's got too many people in his head right now, and I wish he would just simplify it. So, go Bills. Looking forward to Sunday. Yeah, thanks, Jay. I mean, really, I don't – I'm sure there are people talking to them. Are there too many? I don't know. I I mean, if if you want to say that because you think, you know, he's all jumbled up in the head between the ears because of all the input he's getting, I suppose there could be some merit to that. But really, if we want to shuck this down to the cob, what we're dealing with here is an exercise – in risk assessment. That's what we're dealing with. It's about managing risk in a football game while recognizing how the flow of the game is going. Does our team have momentum? Is our defense stymieing their offense where they can do absolutely nothing? And then build that into how much risk am I willing to take knowing the football is in my hands every snap of the game that we are on offense. It's a risk management issue that's what we're talking about here i don't think it's anything else it's about risk management that's it yeah i mean everybody's trying to psychoanalyze josh because they feel like he was in a badly in a mental bad mental space and then now they're and then then they're dragging ken dorsey into the conversation and, uh, and yeah. whoever's talking to yeah him. and like josh now there's too many voices in josh let me tell you something <laughs> This just in. Everybody feels like they can coach somebody up mentally, right? I mean, right, okay. That's mistake one. Mistake two is, uh, if, I don't want, I can't speak for Josh. I can only speak as a former player. All of us, all the wizards that are calling our show, and me and you included, with our opinions. Sure. And, yeah, you, th- you really think Josh is sitting at home at night and I, geez, I wonder what, I wonder what, Ed from Vancouver thought about me. I got a call. <laughs> you know, uh, that's not happening. So, you know, you can – we all have this stuff, and we have we enjoy talking about because, listen, when it comes to, you know, the mentality of the game, all of us think like we have something to say about it. When it comes down to picking – you know, taking the check down rather than trying to thread the needle over the middle or taking the sail route outside, none of us know anything about that. But we can all talk to the mental part of the game, right? So, which is what we've kind of come to with Josh after this Monday night game. So – let me just say, we can talk all we want here. 
I'm pretty sure none of it is going to affect Josh Sunday at one. Yeah. There are people in that room who really know Josh as a person, as a friend. They got a relationship. And when they talk, Josh listens. And that's not me and Brownie or any of us out here. So as far as having too many voices in his head, I doubt it because the first it first of all is what you sign up for as a pro athlete or he's as a as a junior athlete as a as a youth sport player so you get used to that um yeah I, as, as much as respect as i have for all of us and our counter in our conversation i'm pretty sure we have zero effect on josh and with that we'll take a break but steve and i will uh, close it up when we return here on one bills live stay tuned All right, some good commentary from you, finding some positives from Monday night's game to roll into Sunday's game. So we look forward to that week two, and we'll be talking some more Raiders tomorrow when we have Raiders analyst and former lineman Lincoln Kennedy on the show. So we'll get up to speed on the Raiders tomorrow, and we'll also have Field Yates from ESPN with his ultimate fantasy lineup. We'll see you tomorrow at 1.